what are your members talking about? You know, what are some keywords that get searched in your online communities and tapping into the people who are showing up with regular answers and asking them to consider doing like a webinar for, for your association or even leading a panel discussion at your annual conference. The strongest online communities, it's, it's through member generated content. They know what it's like because they've got, you know, the boots on the ground and they can answer those questions, you know, that I wouldn't even try to answer, you know, as a content creator because I'm not one of them. But your members can definitely, you know, you can tap into their, their knowledge and expertise. Hi, welcome to the Member Launch Podcast. In this podcast, you'll learn how to grow your association membership. I'm your host, Farhat Khan. I'm the CEO of Member Launch. We build membership websites for professional associations. Our app, Member Launch, is one of the quickest ways for you to build an engaging membership community for your membership. With Member Launch, you can take your member marketing on autopilot so that member engagement just happens without you having to work hard for it. You can see a demo of Member Launch on our website at memberlounge.app. That is memberlounge, all one word, dot app. This is a live recording of our podcast episode. If you are joining us live today, welcome. We got some amazing questions from the audience already, but if you have any more questions during the episode, please submit them on Zoom questions. We're also streaming this live on YouTube. So if you're joining us on YouTube, you can submit questions by using the YouTube live chat. And if you're joining on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel and give this video a thumbs up so we can create more content for you like this. Today, we are excited to have Leona Scott with us and we will learn how to create compelling content. Leona, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you start by telling us a bit more about yourself and your work? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Farhad, for having me on your podcast. And as a content creator myself, I admire you and your team's commitment to creating uh, long-form content and in-depth conversations like this. And I also want to just thank the audience uh, for recognizing the importance of content and how it can be the most valuable membership growth tool for your association. So um, I'm a content creator at heart. Uh, my background is in magazine journalism, and that's how I got started working for membership-based associations. I edited association magazines, uh, industry magazines for several years. And during that time, I really learned um, what it takes to create compelling content that's attention-getting content and telling rich member stories. And um, then I moved into managing marketing and communications teams for many years. And during that time, I really learned the importance of interdepartmental collaborations um, on supporting membership growth. Um, I like to share the story of uh, one of the uh, trade associations I worked for. I've worked for a variety of professional and trade associations. One of the trade associations I worked for, um, you know, I was, uh, overseeing the marketing and communications team uh, and all the way across the hallway, you know, on the other side of the building was the membership team. And I could not tell you what they did and they couldn't tell you what we did. And um, one, one year we were tasked with a huge membership uh, growth initiative and that involved us working together as a team. 
and we would meet together and uh, we learned each other's goals. And so I really believe um, it's very important um, if you're going to grow your membership and, you know, put out compelling content to do it together um, as a team. So, um, and then I did that for many years. And then five years ago, I started my own marketing uh, communications consulting practice where I specialize in working with membership-based associations to help them to create uh, lead generation content, content which uh, attracts qualified membership prospects to their association. I also help associations to convert those prospects into members and also to retain those members for lifetime value. And I do that specifically through um, membership persona research, as well as the uh, development of content calendars. Wow, so you actually work across the entire member journey. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, why is creating content so important these days? So I think content um, is um, creating content is important because content has value. Um, I, there's a definition of value that I really like to use um, that drives home the point, the uh, importance of creating content. So it's actually by um, it's from Sarah Sladek, um, who was previously on your podcast. And in her book, um, The End of Membership as We Know It, she defines value as um, making your member's job easier or their life better. And um, I'd also like to share a definition of content with you as well. This is from the Content Marketing Institute and content is defined um, as compelling information um, that engages uh, or, or amuses or informs. And so if you combine those two definitions, um, I think valuable content, um, if, you're, if your content can um, enrich a member's uh, life and make it better or their job easier, then you've succeeded in creating valuable content. And that's why content is so important. So what are some big mistakes people are making nowadays with content? Yeah, so I know this is one of uh, the big mistakes that I made early in my career as a content creator. And um, I see other associations, you know, repeating that is not knowing their members well enough. Um, I think oftentimes, um, especially if you've worked for a particular organization for a while, you assume you know your audience, you know your members. And our members are changing every day, just like you and I are changing every day. You know, like yesterday, a problem that I may have tried to solve in my life is going to look very different than a problem that I'm trying to solve today. And our members are the same way. Their, their lives and their careers um, are constantly changing. So you can never assume that you know your members. And so that's why I'm a big believer and, um, you know, having regular conversations with your members, um, whether it's one-on-one -on -one through interviews, whether it's um, through focus groups, um, whether it's through, you know, surveys, um, or even just, I, I'm also a big believer in just listening to where your members are congregating. Uh, for instance, like in your Facebook groups, online communities are an excellent place 
to uh, listen in on conversations your members are having with one another and just really figuring out what, you know, what their um, problems are. So I, I think that's definitely one of the biggest mistakes that I see people making is not knowing their members well enough. This is so funny. So yesterday I was um, hosting a workshop with a client with like four yeah. people from an association and uh, I was telling them that you need to have like ongoing member discovery interviews to learn more about them. And I was trying to like, we were creating a member engagement action plan for them. And um, in the action plan, they wouldn't put a discovery interview as one of their tasks. I was like, can I put it there for you, please? Right. Uh, yeah. So you can like, you can have like ongoing interviews with your members. So you'll learn more about them. They were like, you can put it in the action plan. We don't know where we're going to do it. Right. So <laughs> and yeah. like, this is so common, right? It is, it is. And I think as content creators, sometimes, especially when we're operating on a publishing deadline or, you know, we're trying to really push out that content um, on a regular basis and stick to our deadlines, we get caught up sometimes and we, um, you know, we just create content and, um, and don't spend enough time really, um, you know, seeing what's on our members' minds and what problems we can solve for them. And um, so I think that's, yeah. I think that's very uh, relevant to this discussion. Yeah, and I guess like taking that time, maybe it's like 5% of your content creation process to listen to your members, maybe even less, like yeah, 5%, let's say. If you spend this 5% time uh, in really understanding your members, like listening to our members to their challenges, needs, then I think the remaining 95% of the work that you're putting in, in creating the content, that will be so much more productive. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big believer in, you know, trying to work smartly, because I know many of those in your audience, um, you know, they have small member staffs. And, um, you know, they don't have a lot of resources and people to create content. So that's why I like to work, you know, smartly. And, you know, one of my favorite ways actually to um, just gain information about members is, you know, if when you've had a webinar, is to download your chat and go through your chat and uh, you know see what kinds of responses you know you're seeing in the chat because oftentimes you'll get real jewels of wisdom in your chat and oftentimes I've gotten you know great ideas for for content pieces um, in the chat. So Leona, what is your approach to creating content? Like what like what would you do? So I. I actually have a seven part framework that I use um, to, uh, you know, create content. And, um, and the first part is really, uh, and actually, it, it's helpful because it's uh, an acronym for content. So I'm just going to walk you through that really quick. So C um, stands for clarifying your audience. And we've talked about that a little bit already. Um, Farhad, but I think, you know, if, if your listeners will take away anything, you know, from today's discussion is I just want them to understand how critical it is to know your audience and um, to really have regular engaging conversations with them. Um, so the first part is uh, clarify your audience, know who your audience is, know who you're creating that piece of content for. And um, the second um, part is the O in content. It stands for organize your content um, vehicles. Um, uh, and these can be uh, like your blogs, your, your podcast, 
uh, your webinars, your annual conference, you know, um, having um, a calendar is very important. And um, I have a, a mentor of mine who says, if you don't organize, you agonize later. So I think a content calendar is really helpful as you're developing your content. So the N, the first N in content is um, to narrate your content with a story, if at all possible. And um, I know that stories take time to create, but they do make your content so much richer. So if you can grab that member's story, and that's why it's so important to be uh, talking to your members, um, you know, on a regular basis. So um, the T, the first T in content stands for um, tailor your content to a specific either member segment, um, a professional interest or career field, um, to specific generations, for example, young professionals, uh, mid-career, you know, senior career professionals. Um, and also um, what you were referring to earlier, yes, uh, about the member journey, uh, see where they are. Are they just getting started in their membership or are they longtime members? So tailoring your content is very important. So the E in content stands for establish your value with a solution. And this is something that we talked about last week on the LinkedIn Live is your members are coming to your organization for solutions and your content really needs to reflect, you know, the solutions. What are you helping your members solve, you know? So um, that needs to be included in your content. So the second N in content is um, nourish your audience consistently. And um, that's where the con content calendar comes in. And, um, and the last, uh, the T in content, the second T uh, stands for test analyze and recalibrate. So, you know, you really want to look at your analytics, look at your engagement and uh, review that on a regular basis. And based on your data, how can you tweak your content to promote better engagement? That is wonderful. Having a framework like this is so powerful for us. So um, I want to like take a step back and um, understand what should be our content goals to begin with? I guess like once we have identified the big goals, then we can like go back and create the content like to meet that goal. Yeah, right. So I think um, one of the, the main goals is what I had addressed earlier is your content making your members job easier or their life mm -hmm. better, either professionally or personally. But then the other content goal is, um, you know, in terms of, and it was the story that I was sharing about working, you know, interdepartmentally with other organizations is knowing what the membership goals are because so often I think as content creators and um, and typically those who are working in marketing communications teams we don't really have an idea of what an association's membership goals are and you know how many how many um, prospects do we need to bring in to uh, convert, you know, them into members? Like, you know, is it one in 10 prospects convert into a member? I didn't know that kind of data early in my career. And I wasn't really, you know, really focused on that. So I think it's really critical to know what your association's membership goals are so you can use your content as a way to um, help grow your membership. And I guess like we need to understand like if you're creating a piece of content, like who is this 
for? Is it for a prospective member? Is it for an existing member? Are we a kind of like engaging, re-engaging a lapsed member? We have to understand that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mentioned lead generation content earlier. Yeah. So I think, you know, your lead generation content uh, needs to solve a specific problem, you know, for your prospective member. And, um, and it, it can be, it can be something as simple as a digital resource, you know, 10 mm. tips to solve X, Y, and Z, you know, problem, or um, I've seen it and actually I've done this myself is uh, we've taken a popular uh, webinar and put it on a landing page and, um, you know, and promoted it um, to prospective members for them to, you know, opt in and get a copy of that recording because it was so popular with um, existing members and it had a lot of value. Right, right. And I guess like free events are uh, like, like uh, good content good content for prospective members too. Yeah, uh, events are excellent. And in fact, this is a tactic that I've seen, uh, I've used myself and I've seen other organizations use very successfully is, uh, you know, making a live webinar um, available to, to members and non-members and then offering the recording to members only in a gated, you know, community and in a gated area. Um, the, and, and that's always a great idea. The problem is what I uh, what I see happening is that I think uh, we all get so busy that we don't we fail to follow up on those prospects who have signed up for that webinar, and oftentimes mm. they're you know sitting in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere and just gathering dust. And um, so that's why I believe that conversion content and the form of email campaigns and the form of uh, just uh, actual uh, phone calls, uh, following up with them, or maybe even some direct mail pieces um, and, and really following up with your, your prospects to convert them into mm. a new member is really important. And that's an area where I see associations because they are challenged for resources people in time you know they they fail to execute on that and so you know they've got a really great lead in front of them but they're just not nurturing that lead to take them to the finish line to get them to join and i guess one challenge in that is that we find that a lot of associations are not like super great at marketing maybe they don't have yeah. an in-house marketing person or like there isn't a lot of like marketing background in the team and as a result, like um, they don't realize that like this is really a marketing game that we are playing, right? So we have to like attract the prospects. Then once we have attracted them, we collected emails. We have to have conversion content, drive conversion, you know, and and sign up members. Right, because you know, very yes, absolutely, very few of uh, your prospects, especially since you you guys develop websites, you know, you probably know this very well is when visitors come and uh, prospects come and visit your website, very few of them, um, I've seen statistics that say about only 7% of them are actually ready to join. The rest of them really need to be nurtured. And you know, what does your nurturing look like for your association? Oftentimes it, it's, it's nothing or you know, maybe a follow-up email, but you have to, um, you know, membership is is uh, a push product in that uh, no one wakes up, you know, 
today and says, oh, I'm going to join XYZ Association, you really have to, you know, um, push the value of, of your membership and how it can better your career, better your life. And so, and that takes multiple touch points and not just a single touch point. I guess like that nurturing becomes often difficult for associations because there isn't enough resources or bandwidth in the team. So like, are there ways to kind of like make it easier for them to nurture? Yeah. And, you know, and I think this is where um, you can use technology and the power of automation to yeah. um, to do this effectively. And um, in fact, um, I, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, uh, creating email campaigns and uh, putting them in your AMS, you know, uh, platform um, and or or your email service provider. Um, I think um, email service providers have come a long way in terms of how easy they've made automation. And if you can, you know, set them up to receive those automatically, that really makes your job so much easier. Right, right. So just like create an automation with maybe like a series of emails that the tool will send out automatically. And whenever you have new prospects, you just like add them to that list and the tool takes care of the rest. Exactly. And I recommend at right. least five up to even nine with some, you know, with maybe even a phone phone call or two included in there, um, you know, to really um, engage with that prospect. Right, right. And I guess like if you're having regular events and free regular free events for your prospective members, then every single time you have a new free event, you can always like invite the past prospects to come to that one and, and you're creating that email anyways. So just like add the other people in the list and you get automatically get nurtured content. Right, a absolutely, it, absolutely. Um, what are the different formats of content that you can tell us about? You know, I, I know there's a lot, right? But like maybe like just like the top few maybe. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, webinars have always been really popular, and especially after the pandemic, you know, they've, they've grown. Um, I, I think webinars um, also, um, it, you know, blogs, because, you know, your website is still a really big part of how members, you know, get your content as they visit your website, or even prospects, you know, um, visit your website to find out more information. So I think your websites, you know, are really popular. I think, um, you know, YouTube, everyone knows the importance of, you know, video content and how popular it is across all, you know, member segments, generations. So, um, you know, I think YouTube channels are, are very popular. Um, uh, I think also uh, digital newsletters, um, are, are very, you know, popular as well. So those are some of the ones that come to mind immediately. Okay. So what is the role of social media in all of this? Yeah. So I think social media, I personally believe that social media is overrated in that there's so many different algorithm challenges. So um, I think I think it's a good tool and I think definitely, you know, associations need to use it to push out their content. Um, but I think um, that you can also use it as an opportunity, maybe to do, you know, some advertising to specific segments and, you know, target with uh, specific key demographics. If you want to, you know, um, elevate that a little bit 
and get in front of, you know, the people you're trying to reach. Um, I, I'm a big believer in um, if you can um, engage your prospects and um, obviously your members are already on your, your email list. If you can get them, like if you can get prospects to opt in to your mailing list and have conversations or start conversations with them and engage them through your email list, that's I think a much easier way to get in front of your members than um, social media. But I think it definitely has, um, it, it's very relevant and you need to be on there. It's just, I think um, email is a more direct connection um, to your members and prospects. Thank you so much for that. We see the same in our data that like no matter how much work we do on social media and whatnot and social media is blowing up, right? But even then the biggest conversion that we get are from emails. So emails are still strong. They're still very, very powerful. Yeah, and, and you just can't beat the ROI, you know, Farhad. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you've seen the stats as well. It just has such a high ROI. So um, when we are creating content, uh, I guess like uh, should we focus on one or like focus on one more than the other, say like more video, more blogs, or maybe like more audio? Yeah, um, I think it really depends. Um, it goes back to clarifying your audience and what your audience enjoys. And, um, you know, every association is different. And also in terms of, you know, what your resources and capabilities are, you know, not every association team has a really great video production department, you know, but, you know, but there are so many um, social media tools out there uh, like Canva that make, you know, video content creation a little bit easier and more manageable. But um, I, I really, you know, I really think that it, it, it depends on the organization and what their needs are and what their, where their members are congregating, you know, if they're, uh, you, you know, I haven't seen too many associations on TikTok, but if you have a younger community of members, you know, you know, may, you, the case could be made that you do need to have a TikTok presence um, kind of thing. So, or if you're, you know, if you've got association data that shows that your um, members are audio learners, then by all means, I think um, investing in a podcast um, is a, a great strategy for your association. Right. So we recently went to a conference and then in that conference, mm -hmm. um, I was surprised to see that like none of the sessions were being recorded, like an in-person conference, no session was being recorded, right? So like it was a bit of a shock to me that like, okay, like this is such good content, but no one is recording it like for repurposing on social or, or anything else, you know, or even put up in a library, right? So no one was doing that. And then I was talking to people and then all of a sudden, like so many people listen to our podcast. I was like, oh, wow. Meaning like that audience has a gap and we are filling that gap and that association is not. So yeah. that was like a, that was like eye opening for me. So now so in this day and age, if you if you really want to engage your like um, audience, like like can we even like not produce videos? Like videos are the thing nowadays, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I um, I know HubSpot just recently came out with some statistics, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was just overwhelming. You know uh, how people are just consuming you know, content. So you've got to be able to, you know, push out some content. 
Um, and, and even if you don't have like a video production team, you can do it through, you know, Instagram reels. You can do it through Facebook mm. lives. If you've got Facebook groups, you can go live within the group. You know, that's an easy way to, um, to, to create content. And then, you know, you can share that with your members later. Um, through your email newsletter, for example. So, I, I mean, I think there's definitely opportunities um, out there to, to, to do video if you don't have like a video production department. Yeah, and I guess like one of the simplest ways associations can uh, produce more video, like maybe not long form video, but short form to attract mm -hmm. audience in general is that like, if you did have a webinar like this one, just record it mm -hmm. and then like have a little clip for promotion later on, right, for other events. Yeah, I think that's a really um, great idea. And um, also, you know, and we talked about this a little bit during the LinkedIn Live, um, I'm a big believer in member-generated content. And I've actually mm. um, seen um, success with uh, members who have done little clips or recordings, um, whether it was, you know, just uh, a testimonial for why, you know, you should attend your uh, association annual conference and what they got out of, you know, last year's conference and why you need to go. So I, you know, I think uh, because today's smartphone technology um, is really remarkable. So, you know, use what you have and, um, right, right. and, and engage your members that way and ask them. Okay, let's talk about this a little more. What is member generated content? So this is content that, you know, it, exactly what it uh, says is it's generated by your members where you um, involve your members in um, creating a piece of content, whether that's a testimonial for why they need to join, whether that's, um, you know, sharing, um, you know, some problem maybe that they encountered and um and how they solved it um i've seen like right. facebook groups um you know use that effectively um i think it helps if you have people who are in your association who are influencers who are industry leaders and um you know who who have a following and they're not afraid uh, perhaps they've been creating content for their own business or company, and they're not afraid of getting in front of the camera and use those people to, mm. you know, with their video production skills to create some content for you as well. Don't be shy about asking. That's the thing is, especially for those organizations who are listening to this and they're like, oh, you know, we we have such limited resources. Well, that that means you just have to get more creative and you have to just, you know, get smarter and just, you know, you use the people who are in your community who have had success with that and don't be shy about asking them. And sometimes, Farhad, it you can help them by giving them a script, right? Mm -hmm. and, or even just a few key talking points. And so then they're on point, you know, with your messaging and everything is consistent. Um, so, you know, don't be shy about asking your members. And I guess like um, 
harness the collective intelligence that you have within your membership, right? So for example, like with like for our like podcast itself here, for example, we invite like guests on like a wide variety of topics. Like Leona, we invited you because we know that like you are the king of content or queen of content, right? Yeah. So so we always like find okay, what are the different gaps in our content right now? What have we not covered before? And then we go out and find people. So I think you can do something very similar within your membership to see what is the gap and like who are the people who can fill the gap. Absolutely. And, you know, I think if you're, if your membership is thriving and it's growing, you're, you need to be as a content creator, you've always, and that's why I believe in the importance of listening and, um, you know, engaging or listening in your online communities, um, especially is, you know, really finding out like. So what I'm hearing is that uh, we shouldn't take uh, all of it like upon ourselves to create the content, but instead like use the team around us, use the people, use the membership overall and like get help from everyone. Yeah, yeah. And also don't forget um, to reach out to your your staff within your organization as well. You know, your association CEO, they, um, you know, they can chime in, uh, you know, with uh, pieces of content or a vlog, or maybe they travel to an industry conference and, you know, they share some key takeaways from that conference um, that would be valuable to, to your members. Um, or people love behind the scenes types of stories. Um, so, you know, have fun and tell the story of your association and its members um, for a trade organization that I worked for. They did these um, Friday shop tours and, uh, you know, they just gave uh, one of their staff members uh, uh, their smartphone and they just walked um, their audience through the shop. And, um, and it was so fascinating. And people were so engaged because they really want to see how the sausage is made, you know, so to speak. And um, they really want that behind the scenes look. So, you know, uh, get creative. Yeah. And I guess like uh, having fun in the process of creating content is so, so important. I, I would like to share a quick story, you know, like from like, I think like three or four years ago when we started our content journey, right? So mm-hmm. I was talking to one of my mentors and they were like, you know what, like uh, you guys know so much, but all this knowledge is like trapped in your heads. Why don't you unleash it? So share it with the world. I'm like, how do I share it? And I'm like, do webinars, do it, right? So, okay, fine. So I told him, you know what, like I'm not very popular in the community. Like if I do a webinar, no one will come to my webinar. No one will even show up. They're like, okay, so how many people do you want on your webinar? I said 100. And they were like, oh, you'll probably not get 100. You'll probably get like 10 on the first one. Will you be okay with that? I'm like, yeah, probably, right? Mm-hmm. What about if you got one? Will you still do the webinar? I'm like, yes, I'll still do the webinar. I want that one person to attend. And then, and then he was like, okay, then just like go and do it. Do the first one, see how it goes. Oh my God, the, the very first webinar we like announced, we had like 20, 30 people, right? So, and then like the first one was so popular. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like people actually want this and I know stuff I should share, right? So the right. I, I think doing the first one built up so much confidence. And then it after does. that, it's like, a, it's like a rabbit hole from there, right? We just like went on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. And I commend all of you guys because um, I know how hard it is to produce uh, content and to do it consistently. I think that's what uh, distinguishes, you know, um, uh, mediocre from uh, mediocre organizations from ones that really excel in their field is, you know, you do it consistently. 
Now, like, uh, so on the point of like having fun, uh, so one thing I find that I like, uh, like uh, truly believe in right now is that like, if a piece of content I'm producing is not fun for me, I will not even like, like talk about it, right? So like, like I myself, I'm like big on strategy, social membership, engagement, attraction, mm -hmm. right? So all the content is around that. And this is something that I enjoy, I love. So as a result, like uh, doing this podcast, creating our webinar, it's like so much fun for me. And yeah. like, I think it's a matter of like um, combining the different skills you have in your team you know, like whoever is good at what, for example, like our, like uh, our team member, like Anika, who's like behind the scenes here, the event producer, yeah. she loves editing videos. She loves producing, like organizing these events. Right. So, so her talent plus like me being on the camera, I think it's like a great, like combination for us to kind of like be out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't agree more. I think um, you have to really tap into your team members and sometimes um, you know, sometimes your team members may be a little uh, shy or maybe out of their uh, comfort zone, but, you know, after you've done it a few times, you get a little bit more comfortable. And, um, but yeah, I think knowing, you, you know, the skill set of your team and even challenging some of your team members to get out of their, their box <laughs> helps. Right, right. Okay, so um, we got a question from Michelle Santiago, and I think this is a very important question, so that's why I'm asking it early. So uh, what would be your processes of creating content? Like day-to-day, -day, what would you do? Yeah, so um, so I like to think of content and in kind of a year-round cycle. So, um, because, you know, that's how membership is comprised, you know, you join at one point of the year and then you renew at the end of the year kind of thing. So on a daily basis, I recommend um, including like, uh, you know, tips, small tips, um, inspirational quotes, uh, you know, uh, something that you can just small things that you can, you can put in front of your members. Um, on a daily basis, like, you know, for social media. Um, on a weekly basis, it can be something like, uh, you know, an email, targeted email campaign, or some type of um, digital resource. Um, uh, on a monthly basis, it could be like a monthly newsletter with uh, just really relevant content. And I'm not talking about the newsletters that are just pieces of just, uh, it, just fluff, you know, they're just, yeah. they're news. You want, you want your content to make your members job easier or make their life better. So you've got to ask yourself, every piece of content needs to do that. So, um, so monthly newsletter on a quarterly basis, it could be like a workshop or a webinar or, um, you know, some kind of conference. And then um, on an annual basis, it could be, you know, most associations have some kind of annual conference. But I think the important thing is whatever, whatever it is for your organization, you really need to think of content on how can we push out, you know, uh, content on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly and annual basis. So then you hit them year round. So then when their membership renewal comes up, you know, they're, you, you have been touching them all year um, with, you know, relevant and helpful and compelling content, hopefully. And I guess the content calendar is very important for that because like, unless you have a content calendar, 
uh, you don't you don't know in your mind like what is coming up two weeks from now that you have to start working on today. So I think anyone anything you're publishing two weeks from now, you have to start working on it now, right? So we have but to have a calendar. Yeah, you you do have to have a calendar. And you know, I was actually talking to someone um, who uh, earlier this week who is with uh, Restaurant Facility Management Association. And she was telling me that they work uh, on their content calendar a year in advance because wow. it involves so many departments across, uh, so many departments within the organization. And so she is actually she uh, she's in the membership department. She actually maintains that calendar, but they've 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 got to do it a year in advance because it does take a lot of planning. And also, they're being very, very, um, they, they're creating some highly relevant, you know, engaging content. And that takes time. You know, I remember when I talked to one of your team members about, you know, this topic, and that was back in the spring, you know, and now here we yes. are, like four or five months later, and we're actually doing um, this podcast. So that's, I, I think a content uh, calendar is critical. If you don't organize, you do agonize. And it makes it stressful for your team, especially, you know, if you're trying to plan things in advance and you're not meeting your deadlines and you're not publishing your content consistently. It's just... Um... Right. And um, I guess uh, having an online community of your members is very important as well. Like hence our product member launch. Right? So this is an online mm -hmm. community for, for, for your members. So mm -hmm. having that community, I think is like very powerful because like we... We have to make sure that like uh, we are not just like sending emails all the time. Like there is a, another community, yeah. closed community behind behind like like closed doors where your members come together and then you share content there as well. So can you like share your thoughts on your online community for members? Yeah, I think um, I think every association, if they have an online community through like their AMS platform, they they need to include um, their online community in their content calendar. In fact, I've seen, um, you know, we were talking during the LinkedIn Live last week about how um, associations today can't operate with their content like they did like 10 years ago. And yeah. I'm, I think online communities is definitely an area where you need to treat that as a regular content uh, vehicle and include it in your content calendar. Some of the more successful associations that I uh, that I see, they're very intentional about what those topics are. Um, you know, I think oftentimes, especially if it's you know a listserv type of online community, sometimes the 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 content can um, just produce itself, you know, and it can yeah. grow organically uh, with the topics. But I, I think, um, especially if you're trying to deliver value um, and you've got a very active online community, the association needs to be very intentional and include, you know, those content. Um, okay. So, sorry, go ahead. No, I will, I will add that this is an area, um, Farhad, because, you know, people are maybe going, oh, great, another, you know, another, uh, another thing to do is, you know, add online communities to the content calendar. This is an area where I think you can enlist your, um, 
your members in, in you know, maybe your, uh, your committee chairs or people who are very engaged in your organization and ask them, you know, if they would help to populate um, content topics in your online communities, because I, you know, I found, you know, the, the strongest online communities, it's, it's through member generated content. And, um, you know, members, they're, you know, they're, they're, um, they know what it's like, because they've got, you know, the boots on the ground, and, and they, they can answer those questions, you know, that I wouldn't even try to answer, you know, as a content creator, because I'm not, you know, um, I'm not one of them, but your members can definitely, you know, you can tell knowledge and expertise. So, uh, so yeah, so le uh, let's say having online, having the online community is very important, right? So mm -hmm. besides that, what other tools do we need like for creating, regularly creating content? What, what would you use? Yeah, so I think, you know, I've talked a little bit about just video production, you know, and yeah. having, you know, the right tools to create video content and even just having, you know, the right editing and, um, just having the right equipment with video production that that's definitely something and I think also um I I mentioned Canva or Canva and other uh uh graphic design online graphic design services like that like PicMonkey they make it easy to share content across teams and you know collaborate that way so it's not just one person you know creating things mm. or editing things or proofing things before you push them out or i i so i i would recommend just you know got it got it yeah now um one thing that we find is that like when we're whenever we're trying to create content like we need to get some intellectual stimulation from somewhere and i'll tell you like where like we get ours from so we get our our, our intellectual stimulation from uh wonderful guests like you so you mm -hmm. you came to our podcast you're talking about this topic and then after this episode like i'll kind of like think on various different tangents from here and we'll mm -hmm. produce like many more content related to this right so bringing in external like guests is one way for us the second way that we get you know, stimulation is like from our uh, audience questions so for example as part of like this webinar we ask people yeah. to submit their questions online and, and like we have been asking um, these questions for so long we have a bank of thousands and thousands and thousands of audience questions now when we try to like pick a, a topic to uh, talk about on a video i just like pick one from there right we're, yeah. now we're trying to be like more strategic about it that like okay so how can we not just randomly create videos from those topics, but like be more strategic and like, what do more people want? What will rank better? What will actually like have better engagement? So like, um, where do you think associations can get similar um, ideas? Yeah, I, I think um, I see what your competitors are doing. And, yes. um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to um, steal their ideas, but I think you can, you, you know, I think you can um, use them in a way in, 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 you know, tweak them for your own membership. So see what mm -hmm. your competitors are doing. Um, what are some popular brands, um, you know, that you follow? What, what are they doing? Um, look to your inbox. Um, and actually, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example of this is I got a video uh, in my mailbox just today and it was about a community giving day 
And um, for one of my clients that um, I, I support, um, they were actually focused on um, building a campaign. But I, they, the video that I saw, it was um, showing uh, how your dollars are being used in the community. And it had a, you know, a, a video of the executive director of this particular organization. And she had a big uh, like uh, truck behind her who was like, you know, digging up dirt. And they were actually breaking ground on a new building because of people, you know, people's uh, donations. And she, it was just mm -hmm. a great um, scene. And she was telling a story with that and also reminding people, hey, it's, you know, it's our community giving day, please you know, make sure you give and help support, you know, uh, what are our efforts and here's what's coming up this fall. So I think, um, you know, just looking to your inbox, I know I get a lot of inspiration and ideas that way. So um, yeah, th those are a few of the ways that I would recommend. And I know I mentioned earlier about the chats, you know, um, on, on your mm. webinar or your online meetings. Um, and uh, I think that's definitely um, an untapped resource, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And looking at your competitors is actually a great way to understand like what others are doing. And so we have a we have a term for that. We call it like doing R and D, R and D on your competitors. So R and D means rob and duplicate. You know, so yeah. do not shy away from robbing and duplicating. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So so on that note, like um, I have had this dilemma often that. Uh, if I want to write on a certain topic, but there are like many other blogs on that topic already, you know, like published, mm -hmm. if I Google search, I'll actually find many of them. Should I still write about that topic? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, but I would encourage you to come at it with, you know, a different angle. And, um, mm. you know, Neil Patel actually um, talks about this. And if you go to his website or he's got some, uh, he's got a great uh, content on YouTube as well. He, he actually has great resources about keyword searches and how to differentiate your content on a popular topic, you know, um, how to publish it in a way or, you know, how to use different keyword searches. Um, to, to um, differentiate your content. Um, he also talked um, recently um, in a video I saw about just updating your existing content on your website and, um, and, and Google will recognize that as new content. Mm. So, you know, that's a way to go. But I, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area, but I, I will refer people to Neil Patel. He's got some great resources and I always learn a lot about, about that. Yeah, and refreshing your old content and repurposing them in new ways is actually a great source of content by itself. Like, I see too many people don't do it, but we are we are regular about it. We look at our old blogs, we refresh them, we repurpose them, we hit edit and update the dates, right? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, say we, we are being regular on creating content. Say we have videos mm -hmm. or we have like blogs, right? So, uh, what are the best ways to share that with the audience? Like, how would you... How would you like a broadcast it? Yeah, so um, you know, beyond like the traditional channels, because you know we've talked a, a quite a bit about just the value of email marketing and the ROI. Um, I think texting is um, a great way to 
push out content and not have it get lost in a user's inbox. If you have a mobile app for your organization, um, you know, doing a push notification is a really great way to do that. Um, uh, also, uh, on your website, you you know, you can have a pop-up box, you know, on your website. Check out, you know, our new piece of content, you know, X Y Z. Um, you can have banner ads on your website as well, or you know, you can um, rotate ads on your website. That's a, a great yeah. way to um, to promote content. Also, I think um, using your other content vehicles to announce, you know, um, other pieces of content. For instance, like you know, on your podcast, Farhad, you can you know invite people to. Uh, your LinkedIn live event or, you know, or, um, you know, a future webinar or um, just using your other content vehicles as a way to promote across the board, your other content right. you know, opportunities that you have. So for instance, uh, you know, uh, on your webinar, you could promote your podcast and make sure, you know, and encourage people because your webinar listeners may not be aware of your podcast. I'm not saying specifically, you know, the yeah. right podcast, but for an association, um, that's why it's so important to have different content vehicles, um, you know, for, for different, you know, some members are going to be podcast listeners. Other members are going to be your webinar watchers. So um, that's just a way to cross promote your pieces of content. Okay. I can tell you, Leona, I'm making this the highlight of this episode, this part, oh. this clip. <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I'll do it myself. We have another amazing like podcast coming up in two weeks with Jeff Horn about technologies and technology ecosystems. So if you're watching this, you'll get a lot more value there as well. So do come by. It's in two oh, weeks. <laughs> absolutely. I will. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, now like I'm going to like jump onto the audience questions. We have so many questions. Let's see if we can cover some good ones there. Yeah. So the first question is from Brad Sapp, and I think we answered some of this already. So what do most associations struggle with when deciding how to convey content? So I think um, in terms of how to convey it, I, or for me, I think that the struggle is knowing who who your audience is for that piece of content and, and really mm. getting specific on your member segment um, for that piece of content. Okay, okay. So understanding the member segment. Right? Yeah. The next question is from Viola Heber. So Viola is asking, what are some membership recruitment campaigns to attract members and also to raise revenue for the association? So, um, so this is what I've seen um, other that that's worked for other associations is, for instance, if your um, if your association has some kind of um, industry recognition program, whether it's you know some kind of contest, and oftentimes when you are um, uh, a part to be a part of that contest and you're submitting entries for that content contest, there's a fee. Um, and so, um, and that's a great way to generate revenue. So if, if you, and if it's, you know, if it's an established industry um, 
program or contest, then um, you know it's going to attract people from your entire industry. So having a targeted membership campaign to non-members and inviting them to you know get recognition and be a part of this contest, um, I think um, is one way to do that. Right, right. And I guess like in, in, in terms of like raising revenue, so another like way we, uh, I'm thinking is uh, upselling your current members. So if you have like a resource library and some resources are, uh, most resources are free. And mm -hmm. along with that, if you have like a uh, paid resources that are like high, very high quality content, you know, like maybe a good training or, or, or like something else, like, well, we have paid resources within our app as well. Like if you want to like look at member lounge. So uh, paid resources are actually a great way of upselling your current membership at the same time. Yeah, and if you have the 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 sophisticated platform to do that, I yeah, think that's yeah. a, that's an excellent way to do that. Okay, so uh, next question is from Sherry Lippincott. Sherry asked a very good question: How does this uh, content creation change when it's not about making money? Um, I I yeah, that is a good question. Um, I think that um. I think you can just really focus in on member problems um, and um, and just the quantity of your content. Um, I think that when it's not about you know making money, um, because I think that you get so fixated on you know uh, trying to draw prospects to your organization and trying to convert them and trying to retain them that um that it, it can be um a mental block sometimes and so i think if you if money was no object i think you would be a little bit more freer to create you know more more yeah. content yeah. and varied content perhaps i don't know farhad do you have any suggestions with that yeah, like like what you said. I think this is more liberating. You know, this is liberating that like money is not a problem. We don't have to like worry about like one specific goal. I think like when uh, when that happens, I guess like um, we can look at like what are the different awarenesses we want to like raise in the community in our profession, right? And also like if you're trying to do advocacy, mm -hmm. in our advocacy efforts, if we have like four or five different advocacy like areas that we are working on actively, how can we generate more awareness in those? You know, and I guess like when it being being advocacy, it come like there are like different levels of like. Uh, governments you want to like do this with so this is like uh like municipal like um federal like state or or, or like or, or so all, all, all the different levels so i think like you have to make sure that if it's not about making money like are you making the right stakeholders aware of what the what is the work that you're doing or the cause that you're working on is so important you know like who needs to know about this so i think like not having to make money is liberating it's not limiting at all like it it gives you more options in general yeah, and I think it gives you more freedom, you know, to tell more member stories. And like you were saying, mm -hmm. like, you know, at the state level and the national level when it comes to like advocacy, um, you know, I mean, there's so many opportunities there uh, for a trade association that um, I worked for for many years. They did an excellent job of advocacy, but I felt like in some ways, because uh, money, you know, was limited, we we weren't able to tap into the power of, of telling our story and how mm. active our members were in, you know, getting legislation passed. 
And sometimes, you know, that's stifling. So if many were no object, I think you can tell, you can tell richer member stories and more of them. Right. Okay. So the next question, we part of, we partly answered this question already, but it, this is so important. I want to like um, reiterate this. So Katie Cairns uh, asking, effectiveness of member videos, testimonials, photos to help drive member retention. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did talk about just the importance of videos. And um, I just think that my suggestion here is to make your video testimonials um, especially more effective is to, I think it's great at any time you can have a video testimonial because oftentimes, you know, associations will publish a written testimonial, but if you can get a video one, that's great. And they talk about, you know, the value or, you know, how it's enhanced their career or, or made their life better. Um, that's great. But then if you can actually get your member to tell a story um, and, and, you know, and I'll go back to the advocacy example is um, don't just tell them, you know, oh, this made a difference, actually show them through your testimonial and describe how it changed your life or how it changed your business and actually tell a story and, you know, stories, as we all know, are so powerful and people, our brains just connect with stories and, um, so, you know, if, if you want to be more effective with your testimonials, actually tell a story, or even if it's a written testimonial, you know, um, talk about just the problem solution aspect, you know, mm. and it really draw that out in your testimonial. Yeah. And on that note, like we record a lot of like client stories in general, we do professional like shoots, like for those with clients and like we follow something called a hero's journey. And it's, yes. it's like a very simple thing, like a hero's journey is very simple. So, so that the client or your member who's like doing the video is the hero, right? Like, like what is the problem that person was having? Start with the problem. I was having this problem working with this association, solve this problem in this way and then yep. explain how. Right. Yeah. So the problem, the solution and how she got there. So this is the hero's journey and this is super effective. It is. I think it's building a story brand, right? By Donald. Exactly. Taylor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So next question is from uh, Michelle uh, Osejo. So Michelle is asking, is there a secret ratio to gated versus non-gated content? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, so I don't. I think it's really, I think it's dependent on every association. What I like to advise associations is um, to look at your existing content and, um, and categorize it in three ways uh, from good, better, and best. And see if you can take your content and put them in those three categories. And so if you're, if you're, if you're giving away your best content in an ungated, um, you know, area of your website or your community, then you're not really giving your members a reason to join. So I, I would, that would be my first suggestion, um, you know, is, is look at your, your content and if it falls in those categories and maybe elevate the content, you know, that is your best content and put that in the gated area. I think associations, um, 
just because, again, I think we get busy and, you know, we don't sit down and really do maybe a content audit and say, okay, what really has value? And maybe do put that in the gated community. But I don't think we stop often enough and do, do that assessment. So I think you have to be really strategic in how you, um, you know, win over those prospects and, it, it, and get them converted into new members. And if you're giving away all of your, your best content for free, then why, why, why should they join? You don't really give them a reason to join. Exactly, exactly. And like what I find is that like, I think like we should give away like some high quality content, but only Absolutely. a few, though, one, one or two, you know, not all, one or two, your highest content, you know, like, uh, so that like people see that content and they're like, their eyes are just like uh, glazing, right? Oh my God, what did I just see, right? So if if this is what I can get by not becoming a, by, without even being a member, what will I see behind the closed doors? Yeah, exactly. And I think this is, this challenge is some associations because Sometimes they don't necessarily have a sophisticated enough platform to, you know, have like the gated and ungated community and, mm. and trying to differentiate between that and trying to set that up. So I, I know that that is a challenge. Right, right. Okay. So the next question is from Catherine Dolan. Again, very good question. Uh, she's saying, I would like to know who manages the content in other organizations. Is it marketing? Is it membership? Is it website team? Um, I think uh, my experience has been that typically marketing and communications teams have managed it. Um, I know the example that I gave earlier with um, uh, the person who I was talking to with the Restaurant Facility Management Association, she actually works in their membership department. So I think my experience has been typically marketing communications teams manage it, but it can be different things for um, you know different organizations. So um, Farhad, if you have any insights to share there, um, feel free, but that's been my experience. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to be paranoid about this, you know, like, so <laughs> never give your web team, you know, the reins on content, you know, they will fail you most of the time, <laughs> give it to give it to marketing, give it to marketing, yeah. give it to marketing, marketing and membership. And, and, and I think like one problem here, uh, as well is that uh, if your website is set up in such a way that like when your marketing team is producing content, they cannot publish anything without the help 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 of the web team. That's a failure right there, right? So you need yeah. to empower your marketing team to kind of like take up a piece of content and, and like like uh, create, publish, promote all the way, all yes. by themselves without getting any help from technical, like zero help from technical, right? If yes. your website is not set up that way, then you need to fix that problem first. Yeah, yeah. Very good point, Farhad. Very good point. Yep. Ready? So next question, again, another very good one. So Gina Borgman, she's asking, what are some low hanging fruits um, to demonstrate value through content for retention purposes? Um, so low hanging fruit, I think that, you know, again, look at your existing content that you're offering to your members and see, um, and this is the T part uh, in my content ac acronym is, is test, analyze and recalibrate is look at your analytics and um, see what is really uh, popular with your members 
and um, and see like, you know, are there particular um, webinars or videos that are really, um, you know, creating great engagement? And mm -hmm. um, and also you can you can see if you've got, you know, if you've got a, a good platform, you can see who is engaged and who is opening, you know, um, or seeing those videos or opening your emails and maybe do a campaign to those members who may have not um, opened that email yet, or mm, maybe do like a right. resend to, uh, you know, to, to that um, segment who hasn't opened it. And usually it, you know, my, my, my personal experience has been when you do resend it to them with like a subject line of reminder, you know, you, you actually do increase your, um, your open rate and your click-through rate. People just get busy and they may not have seen it the first time. So maybe doing like a resend campaign of, um, you know, a popular piece of content that your members are engaging with, um, it is a low hanging, um, type of fruit <laughs> that you can, you know, really, uh, get some value in front of those members who haven't maybe seen it. Yeah, I think like people are very afraid to resend same emails, resend the same tweets, republish the same like LinkedIn messages. But like, uh, so um, we get so many emails, so many social posts nowadays that like that one post you made is lost now, is lost. So if you if you even like send the same content three times, no one will complain. Like uh, we have reshared, reposted so many things in our like you know like like uh, at our company not mm -hmm. once like thousands and thousands of emails we haven't heard like one complex like hey i saw it last week why are you sharing it again we, yeah. we have never heard that well and when i see the word reminder there's just something that goes off in my head like oh no what did i miss you, you know yeah. and so it just engages me right away grabs my attention right away our members are so busy it's so easy to get distracted. Um, it's so easy to just go through your inbox and like, you know, hit delete and accidentally, you know, delete something. Um, so yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Alrighty. So um, I think like we will wrap up with that. Now, um, do we have any questions on YouTube live, Anika? If so, if you don't mind like sending them on chat, that'll be great. Yeah. So, um, before we get to that, uh, do we actually like have any uh, key takeaways like Leona for the audience? Like what would be your top takeaways? Yeah, so I think my top takeaway is, um, and actually it's gonna be a challenge, is in what I've talked about earlier about just clarifying your audience. Um, that is so key, um, knowing who your audience, knowing who your members are. The member of yesterday is not the member of today. They've changed. So having um, you know, regular conversations with them, whether um, you know, just reaching out to one or two of your members and connecting with them with either a phone chat or you know, video conference call and just asking them, you know, how are things going? You know, what's a, what's a recent win that you had? Or, you know, if they're, if they're a manager of a team, like, you know, what is a problem that your team is struggling with right now? Because chances are, you know, what they share is probably gonna be relevant to your other members. 
and you can not only do you get to know them better and you understand them better but you're you're probably going to walk away with an idea for a content topic yeah. you know so um i always like to you know start that way um it, again as content creators i think we get you know we get so focused on you know meeting our deadlines and staying in our uh offices and just not getting out and engaging with our members enough not getting out of the office really and visiting your members and their um and their offices you know uh, where they work um that is always so eye-opening and, and a great way to create some new content is um you could do a video easily that way so just engaging with your members one or two of your members would be my challenge and my key takeaway to get to know them better Absolutely. And I guess like making it a habit, like talking to members regularly every month, like it's a muscle. The first few calls will be very difficult, but like once you've done a few, you know, it'll be much, much easier for you. Yeah. And, you, and you'll look forward to it too. Yeah. You know, because you, you really learn a lot and, um, you know, and I don't know, it, it develops a connection with your members and um, you see them as people and not just, you know, a, a member. And um, you look forward to those conversations. Alrighty, Leona, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, how can people reach out to you if they have any more questions after? So, um, you know, the best way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn, um, Leona Delavi Scott. Um, they can, you know, ping me that way. Or if they wanted to go to my website, um, it's profitablecontentmenu.com. And you can reach me that way as well. Wonderful, Leona. Once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Farhad. Alrighty, so that was the episode with Leona Scott today. We got so many gold nuggets in this episode. I'm pretty sure I'm going to re-watch this myself to see like what have I missed while I was like immersed in the podcast itself. And once again, I guess like um, when we come to events, we often get a lot of ideas. Like we like we get a flood of ideas and we can't usually implement all of them. So I invite you all to kind of like find like one or two or three top ideas that you can maybe like start working on immediately. And like if there is one, you, like uh, the key takeaway, I would say like start talking to your members more, like talking to your members more, right? And then like that will actually give you lots of ideas for creating new content. With that, we will wrap up for today. And once again, like we actually have a lot of events every month. We have another wonderful podcast coming up in two weeks with Jeff Horn. So if you uh, if you don't know Jeff, he's the uh, founder and CEO of Wicket, one of the like top platforms for member data. So yeah, so do sign up. It's in two weeks. With that, I think like we we wish you all the best with your membership journey. Mm -hmm.